This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 15. Episode 2. This is Writing Excuses, writing between the lines. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Victoria. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. And we have special guest this year, Victoria. Tell us about yourself. I'm so happy to be here. I am both Victoria and V.E. I write as two people, but I am only one person. I make things up for a living like everybody here today, I feel like. I'm the author of Shades of Magic, Vicious and Vengeful. Basically a lot of books that are about heroes and monsters and And all the stuff we love. All the stuff in between. And Victoria is going to be joining us all year. Yeah. Uh, So hopefully we uh, we will be able to make good use of you. Um, this week we are doing listener questions, like a lot of what we're going to be doing this year, and we've lumped them into groups. And this group is about theme and subtext, which is, uh, kind of a heady thing to be starting (laughs) off with, um, uh, with, uh, Victoria. So tell us, Victoria. No. Um, (laughs) Don't put that on me. (laughs) Um, the first question is, is there a way to use character introduction to help frame the story's theme? Maybe we should talk just a little bit about our thoughts on theme first. And then kind of get into these questions. Do you guys have thoughts? Hey, you know what? If you're, first of all, the, the answer to the question is yes. Mm. The useful answer has tools that describe how to do this. Um, theme for me is, uh, is a mixture of uh, what, what type of story it is. Like, you know, is this a mystery story or is this a thriller? Technically, that's not theme, but if it is a thriller, and one of the themes is trust, then uh, then having a character where during the introduction we feel mistrust and we feel tension immediately telegraphs to the reader that, oh, that is, we just stated the theme right there. <laughs> now, you, you don't want it to, I, I use this metaphor a lot, you want it to taste like fresh green beans, not something that came out of a can. And so you use words that, that do not explicitly say trust yes. and yeah. and tension. Today we're talking about trust. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. You, you, the theme is tricky and theme freaks people out because we've all been through English classes where we had to write essays on it. Um, the thing that crystallizes it for me is somebody said that uh, theme is an exploration of an idea. And so, for example, love is subject matter, but... Love makes fools of us all. That's a theme, mm-hmm. you know. And so, in Star Wars, the theme of of Episode Four, A New Hope, is you know sometimes we need to trust in something bigger than ourselves. And you see that question explored throughout. People are on both sides. Han says no, we don't. Obi Wan says yes, we do. Everything that Luke goes through is connecting with that theme in some way. Yeah, I actually think it's really important that theme begins at the beginning of the story because it's not something like a moral that happens at the end of the story. It's something that coalesces over the course of the story. The introduction is your opportunity to create a baseline for your character. So whether that's the theme is trust and so we see distrust, as Howard was saying, or whether that's, you know, belonging, uh, outsider, insider culture is a theme in many of my books. But I don't want you to ever be able to pinpoint it to one scene in which we're like, yes, now I grasp the theme. And so I think... Understanding where our characters start, both in the physical space and in emotional space and a psychological space, these are important in order for us to build the theme over the book. 
Yeah, I, I think that is really astute, pointing out the difference between theme and moral, because I think that a lot of newer writers might think that moral equals theme, um, and they don't. They aren't, they aren't the same thing at all. For, for me, a lot of my themes, and I, most authors I've talked to, it's something that grows naturally out of what your characters are really passionate about and where the story goes, where you start saying, as naturally as a writer, hey, I've got a character who's like this. If I put in a contrasting character who's got a different opinion, they play off of each other so well, and that just immediately starts establishing a theme. Well, mm-hmm. and I always think of motif, because like mm-hmm. motif is kind of the physical actuarial for theme. It's the thing that we engage with on a material level over the course of the book. And so I think I always shudder away from these more amorphous things like theme, and I try and ground them in the physical of something like motif. And so I think you have to imagine it not as something that happens in one place, but as something that begins at the beginning and continues with you in one form or another throughout the entire story. So um, another question we get asked along these same lines is, how do I learn what theme my story has and how do I strengthen it? <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this is why revision is I've so got, important. Exactly. I've got, home, I've got homework yeah. that'll, that'll cover that, but uh, <laughs> a, a large part of how you determine your theme is what your beta readers, what your, what your alpha readers are telling you they are coming away from your book with. Uh, or even just you yourself having you, finished and like, oh, I didn't realize that this was so much about X, but it totally is. Yeah, talk about one of the absolute necessities of first draft is not only to get from point A to B in your story, not only to get down something that you can make better, but really you learn what your story is about by writing your story. And it's very hard, even if you think you know what your story is about before you start writing it. Majority of the time, you discover that that's a bare impression of what the story is actually about by the time you get to the end of the first yeah. draft. Let, let, me use a, let me use a car metaphor uh, briefly here because uh, the point A to point B thing, um, when you are driving from point A to point B, uh, the route that you take, maybe you're on the freeway, maybe you're on surface streets, those might define where your theme is going to come from. But theme may be things like, uh, I can feel the quality of the road through the stick shift when I'm driving. The shoulder of the road is rough. The other cars are very annoying. Uh, all of these things, when you are on a trip, it is not just the destination and the path you took to get there. It's, uh, it's the yeah. friends we made along the way. And <laughs> Sorry, I knew that was going to happen. Uh, that, um, that's okay. I just wanted to say, I do think that you can preload theme. You know, you can absolutely learn more about it after the fact. And especially if you're just starting out, this is a very heady concept and maybe you need to get a few books under your belt. But, you know, theme is something that I always use in the outline stage to help me figure Mm -hmm. it out. You know, when we talk about Hollywood formula, that's one of the three things you know before you start plotting. And so you can have it in there first. You'll just, you have to kind of learn your way through it. I want to pick a less aggressive term for it. I think theme, because you're talking about the fact we've all come through secondary education, most of us in this case, of learning that in the, I have to write an essay, what is the theme of the thing I read? I think we have almost a negative built-in connotation of Mm -hmm. what is theme. And so I wish that we had some terms that felt a little bit less terrifying when you're approaching a story as though you have to know everything about it. I think more like, I I don't like the word moral, even though I used it in a a negative Mm -hmm. way already, but I think about meaning. Like, what is the reason I'm telling the story? What is the point of the story? Because I don't necessarily sit down and think, what is the themes of the story? But I do absolutely sit down and think, 
what is the point of the story I'm trying to yeah. tell? What is I, I'm hoping to achieve? Well, and in line with that, I will often ask myself, what are the questions I'm asking Absolutely. with this piece? And for me, it's often uh, those friction points between characters. Uh, when I have two characters approaching a, a, an idea from different directions, a theme just grows very naturally out of that for me. Um, one of the, the other questions we have here is, can we talk more about how promises at the beginning of a story and theme tie together with the specific examples? And I'll talk about one to give you guys some time to think, because um, early in my c- career, before I was published, when I was writing books, I wasn't thinking about theme at all. Um, it's something I started to think about during one of those level-up moments as I had done more and more books, and I said, well, the book should be about something, not necessarily a moral, but the characters are passionate about themes. And the first um, the first Mistborn novel, um, I wanted to write a story about a character who joins a thieving crew uh, and goes on this, this big mission. And when I was first writing um, her her first chapter, and I often write my way into characters, the first experience I had her be very confident, you know, artful Dodger style, that was going to be very fun to write, and it just did not work at all. Um, looking back, it's because that personality didn't match the theme I was actually exploring with the other characters, which is, is it worth continuing to love and to trust, even though it might be painful um, later on? Because I had a very important character whose um, loved one had betrayed him, and, you know, he had been hurt by that, but had then continued on letting people in to his, his circle, into his heart. And she had had the same experience and she does not, you know, like her responses closed that off. Um, and so I built the theme around this. And a lot of the, the ideas that I used were things such as her standing in, a, a, you know, the, the foyer looking in at everybody having fun at dinner where the light is on and bright and she's in the dark. And she's like, I can't go in there because that is pain that is being hidden by the light. Um, and these sorts of themes really grew out of these two characters talking to each other. So I love this because the word promises is in this question. And I was thinking about, again, how much I hate the word theme. But what I was thinking about <laughs> is the idea of where theme meets promise. And I do something similar with my characters in that I build for them a mantra out of what we think they want, what they think mm-hmm. they want. And then one of my goals over the course of the story in actualizing the theme is to make my character break their mantra. So it's the difference between what our character wants their mantra to be, what they want their their theme to be, and what the story actually needs their theme to be. And so I think that this idea of promises, we fulfill the promises of a theme by figuring out the discomfort for our characters. How do we get from distrust to trust? How do we get from solitary to communal? How do we get from one thing to the other? And so while theme feels retrospective, the building of promises and of mantras and of ideas is very much, uh, is is essential to the, the process of the characters in the story. Yeah, I, I think the the promise that you set up at the beginning really is the foundation of the arc that they're going to go through. Um, so in my middle grade series, the second book, Dragon Planet, you know, I sat down and I and I outlined that whole thing and I had this fun adventure story in space for little kids. And I'm like, this is going to be great. And then realized, no, I need to figure out what this is about. What's actually going on? What is the story really about? And decided, well, it's going to be about this little kid proving himself to his father. And then all of a sudden it's a story instead of just a connection of things. And that means that the promise at the beginning is I need to show him not really, you know, his father treats him like a little kid. His father doesn't treat him like the scientist he, uh, he thinks himself to be, that's the promise that the book is going to eventually tie that arc off. The, uh, the, the, word, the, the word theme, uh, it, yeah, it's problematic. We're terrified of it because 
it was used to bludgeon us into submission <laughs> in English classes. Um, I, I've done this marketing presentation before, and I think it may be something that's coming in, in, in a sense uh, later this year. Uh, in marketing, there is the concept of message. And I want, to, I want to go to the theme that Dan stated for us earlier, love makes fools of us all. Love makes fools of us all is a, is a message which you can express by saying, love makes fools of us all. Uh, you can then, if you're writing an essay about it to back that up, tell us a story about love making fools of multiple people. If you then remove the statement from the top, the story still explains that but now you haven't overtly stated the message. In marketing, there are messages. If you watch commercials, the message from a soda pop company is if you drink this, you will be more attractive to members of the opposite sex. And that is a statement, that is a message that would be patently absurd to put in the commercial. But when you look at the story of the commercial, that is absolutely the message. I like to think about theme in this way because I, I have a marketing background and I'm evil. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Let's stop for our book of the week, All right. which is actually Victoria's. Yeah. So uh, my book of the week is my book, uh, Darker Shade <laughs> of Magic, which is the beginning of the Shades of Magic series. In effect, it's a fantasy story about a young magician with the ability to travel between alternate worlds, officially as a messenger, unofficially as a smuggler. He comes into possession of something he absolutely should not have. And before he can get rid of it, he gets his pocket picked by a cross-dressing thief named Delilah Bard. And everything goes terribly, terribly wrong from there. This is Darker Shade of Magic by... V.E. Schwab. V.E. Schwab. A professional name. <laughs> awesome. Well, Victoria Schwab is also a professional yeah, name. Yeah, Victoria just Schwab is my different market. official name for children and teens. And if you're looking for me in any of the adult sections of the store, you're going to want to use the initials. Um, so... We, are, we have been asked, after talking about all of this, um, is there a way to do too much of this? To insert too much subtext? To overdo our themes? You're all nodding. I mean, let's come back to Howard's example of the commercial and the soda pop. I'm not sure that themes should be things which beat you over the head, even if you take away the statements and you finish the book. I, I'm not sure, like, I don't, maybe it's a personal preference, but I think it's something which requires a little bit of introspection, something which should not, should be, shouldn't be completely obvious. I, I found out recently that the Into the Spider-Verse movie was meant as a coming out narrative, was meant as a young boy trying mm. to explain to his father that he was gay. Now, that is a subtext. That is a theme that you do not have to get in order to enjoy the story, but that adds a richer layer to it when you do. I think of theme the same way. I'm not sure I should be able to put down a book and immediately tell you in a pat sentence what the theme was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you, you can tell when you've read something that beats you over the head because you're like, oh, this author was on a soapbox, mm -hmm. right? And you see this a lot with, um, I'm not going to name any names, although like Forge leaped into mine. So let me rephrase. When you read something and you're like, oh, this was making a clear political statement or a clear religious statement, or, you know, this author was clearly trying to convince me that X and Y thing, 
that's because you have hit the theme way too hard. And you weren't telling a story. You were just banging a gong the whole now, time. I'm going to say there is room for that type of storytelling. There um, is, and there's an audience for yes. it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not necessarily flawed um, if this is what the author wants to do. Some Up writers— Sinclair's yeah. The Jungle mm-hmm. is not a comfortable read, and the theme is, is a little heavy-handed, but that was a pretty important book that we needed when it came out. And there are a lot of stories that do that. Um, most— you know, writers that I know. That's not the type of story they want to tell. If that's the type of story you want to tell, great. You can hit it a little harder um, and do what you want to do. For most of us, we want the theme to develop naturally out of what we're building, the story we're telling. And we want you to get done with the book and say, huh, that was really interesting. Let me think about what that, what that means to me. And people can pull different themes out of them. I also do want to add the caveat that that is a revision thing as well, that if mm. you should not be scared if you feel like you are hitting themes too hard in a first draft, one yeah. of the things that we do is both call and refine as we revise a story. Absolutely. I have a spreadsheet of schlock mercenary plot maps and org charts uh, so that I can tell who the characters are and what the plots are. And uh, one of the columns for book 19 is themes. And there's one, two, three, four, five, six, six or seven things in here under theme. And the question, is it possible to do too much? We've already said yes. How do you know? Where do you draw the line? For me, as I was, as I was filling these cells in, uh, one of the cells, which is the one that led to the title of the book, uh, the cell is titled, uh, Rank is a Function of Firepower. Uh, and then I describe. This is shown with uh, characters who are in power over other characters. Uh, it's shown through the fighting. It's shown through, shown through a whole lot of thing. Uh, applies to every plot line in the book. That one was easy. But then I scroll back up through the others and realize these aren't themes. These are these are maybe turning points. These are smaller messages. I don't need to hit these as hard. Uh, and what's funny is that I. I discovered as I was searching for this spreadsheet while we're here recording, um, I looked at all those entries and thought, wow, I did not try to get all that in there, did I? Because it would have been too much. And I guess subconsciously I figured it out, or maybe I just looked at it and got lazy. You know, as uh, we're talking about this, right, we're, we're almost out of time. One thing I wanted to mention is if this intimidates you, if you're really frightened by this idea, I do think um, a parallel or similar skill is foreshadowing. We don't have time to talk about it this, but we've podcast, we've talked about it in a bunch of others. If you practice foreshadowing um, and learn to get subtle with your foreshadowing of upcoming events and learn to get a feel for how readers are picking up on your foreshadowing, I think that's a similar skill that you can practice and maybe is a little less intimidating. Uh, We are out of time. Howard, you have some homework for us. I do. Uh, Take something that you've written, which is complete but still in draft form. It can be a short story. It can be a novella, novelette, full novel, whatever. Um, Write down three, like a multiple choice choice question. What are the three possible themes uh, for this thing that you've written? Um, all three answers can be right. Two of the answers can be obviously wrong, whatever. You're making a multiple choice test. Now go to your friend and don't give them that test. Have them, I say friend, beta reader. Those aren't friends. Those are, uh, <laughs> those are frenemies. Um, uh, have them read what you've, uh, read the thing that you've written and tell you what they think the theme is. That's, 
the first part of the exercise. Second part, give them the multiple choice test and see if they are willing to circle any of the things that you said the theme are. Um, when you are done, you will have sufficient information to go back and revise based on information you now have. Thank you very much. That's good homework. You guys are out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. 